Welcome everyone to episode 28 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. I got a little bit of my voice back, so I appreciate everybody getting through last week. Um, this episode this week is kind of near and dear to me. It's about talking to our rookie firefighters about cancer. So nobody was able to teach that to me when I started, and it's probably because we really didn't have all this information back then available to us. But we do now, so there's no excuse. We have to do everything we can to make sure that our firefighters have the best chance of getting through their career and also you know, enjoying their retirement. What's the point of doing all this time if you die before you're able to enjoy your retirement from cancer? So teaching rookies, it's a little bit different than teaching firefighters that have already been accustomed to this and been out in the field. This is your chance, your opportunity to teach them good habits from the start that hopefully will last them. So I brought in my old pal, Matt Brixey. He's a battalion chief up in Toledo, Ohio. And he's been, a, you know, I've known him for over a decade. We've uh, worked with the Ohio Firefighter Cancer Support Network together back then. Uh, he's taught a ton of classes with Toledo Fire and also community colleges out there on this very subject so I thought he'd be a great person to just go back and forth and kind of go over outline of what should be included in teaching your rookies cancer awareness and prevention so without further ado here's my buddy Matt and myself all right welcome everyone to this week's episode of the 25 live today I've got an old friend of mine that uh, is going to join me uh, he is Battalion Chief Matthew Brixey, uh, Brixey for short, or Matt, if you're that good of a friend with him like I am, um, you guys I, can call him I don't him know Mr. if I Brixie. like you. I don't know if you like calling me old. I feel old when you say my old friend. Well, you, you are a little old. You're older <laughs> than me. I know. Uh, older than me, much. so you're old. I guess say not by much, brother. Oh, how, how old are you? Uh, I'm 45. All right. You've, like, lived 1,600 days more than me. That's that's, that's a lot. Good, that's good math. That's quick math. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's all good, man. So, you know, real quick, you know, we first got to know each other really about a decade ago. Uh, I was part of the Firefighter Cane Sport Network. The Ohio chapter, we were trying our best to just yes. get, get throughout the state and spread the message of cancer awareness and cancer prevention and also the support that's out there. And me being a Southwest Ohio guy, I needed I needed some people on the other corners. I needed somebody central. And I was blessed to find you and some of those other guys from Sylvania Township um, to really kind of help me out with that back when we first started doing that so um thanks for doing that back then and that's something that you're still doing yes uh never stopped you know i started in 1993 people didn't really uh, talk about cancer in the fire service in 1993 now we do absolutely and and that's kind of what our topic is today to me it's such such a significant topic. It's it's probably the most influential portion of a firefighter's career when you're in that that initial drill school, that rookie school, whatever you want to call it. And I just had the pleasure of kind of doing my speech, my presentation just last week for my kids. And I know that's something that you do up in Toledo with um, all your kids when they're going through school. And also uh, you do the community college stuff as well, right? That is correct. I, I used to teach at Owens uh, State Community College in Bowling Green uh, State University. I taught at both of them for the uh, state fire school at BG and then fire one and two and 36 hour classes at the uh, community college. Nice, nice. And I've I've helped out here at home with Sinclair a few times as well. So, you know, I've been in that where it's uh, kind of a generic school where you just have everybody come in and then they're going to go to whatever part-time places out there afterwards and work their way up to a career job or where you're already, you know, when you have a larger city, you know, they put on their own academies. So, you know, you they may have some experience and also they may not. So sometimes this is the very first time 
that they're hearing that cancer is actually a problem and an epidemic. And that, again, is, like you said, something that we didn't have, nobody told us that stuff when no. we started. And, and even on the community college or the, the university level, depending on where these kids then graduate, move on to, like you said, we don't have that control of where they go. This may be the only time in their career that they get a lecture or any kind of education on cancer awareness and prevention. And that's why I feel it's very important to, to hit these people early with the information. So, you know, if you're out there and you've got an academy, you're teaching at a you know local school, whatever it may be, it's so important to make time for this and to teach those rookies good habits from the start. Because everything they're going to do now is going to affect them and their family in the future. And I know that's that's kind of hard to even think about. Because, I, I mean, when I went back to school, I was a young guy, and so were you. I mean, I didn't have a family. It was just me at that point. I wasn't that forward-thinking. No. And, and, and like I said, when, when I started, the research and the numbers just were not there on firefighters and cancer. Although we knew our friends, our brothers and sisters, were getting diagnosed with cancer. It just, for whatever reason at the time, probably like you said, I didn't really have a vested interest because I thought I was still immortal. That there was that increased risk for firefighters. I, we just weren't putting two and two together at the time. Absolutely. So, you know, this whole this whole podcast, my intent is to kind of go over some of the stuff that I talked about because uh, it's it's different than if you were out going to teach a, a department of class about this stuff and they've already been out in the streets for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be. When you're teaching those rookies and this is their very first time to hear all this stuff, you, you kind of do it a little bit differently. So, I mean, is that you agree with that statement? Sure. Oh, yeah. Way different presentation, way different way that we present it for. I know for us in Toledo, we I hold off. Normally, I do the presentation during their fire attack week uh, of the academy. We start out the week with uh, either fire attack or SCBA, depending on where it falls throughout their their academy. But we give them an hour during those two weeks of cancer prevention and awareness, depending on where it falls in their rotation. So we try to hit them early, but we want to make sure they understand why we're teaching what we're teaching them as far as protecting themselves. And in the perfect world, whoever's teaching your academy is always on top of this stuff for every single subject, whether it's washing your gear, or SCBA, or taking a shower, whatever it may be. It would be a constant thing. That isn't always the case. So for like you and for me, like, you know, we get an hour, hour and a half. And it's your opportunity to make the best of it. And I've done it. You mentioned doing it right at the start of fire school. I've done it. You know, last week was the end of EMS school for our guys. So it's right before they go into fire school, which they actually started uh, today. Or I've done it right before they go out in the streets. So they went through everything, and now they're about to go out in the real world. And I see there's kind of plus and minuses for doing it both ways. Like, for example, what I did last week, the hope is that they have good habits from the start. From You know, they'll actually wash their gear. They'll stay on their air. They'll, you know, shower before they leave the training center. They'll uh, wash their uniforms at the training center and not take the stuff home. I mean, they'll have good habits from the absolute start, and it'll just go forward into um, the real world. The, the flip side, and, and to tell me if you agree, disagree, because, again, I think there's plus and minuses of both. At the very end, uh, they may already have been doing stuff, and that may, you know, you may not have those good habits installed, but that is, that is your opportunity to really hit home. You're going to be out there next week, and your very first day, you could have a fire, and you're going to have to make that choice right then and there you know, when it's time for overhaul, cause you're going to be the first one in and last one out. Are you wearing your mask? Are you going to keep your mask on? Because there's a good chance that people on your crew aren't going to be doing that. Correct. Right? We do a lot of culture, culture. We, 
And for the new kids that have no experience to what they've just gotten themselves into, that culture to some, even this the newer generations, the culture, we try to make them aware of when we talk about culture, there is an age difference. There's amount of time experience difference on the job. And what you see, the people, the older people, as you just called me a, a few minutes ago. Jim, 1,600 days. Yeah, um, the older people. From what they see from older people to even the younger people, that culture change, it's its obvious, which I'm finding it easier now because the younger people have really bought into the cancer prevention. Um, and even our older people, quote unquote, have done a great job of buying into it to the level that we do here in Toledo. Uh, it's made it easier. But those first few classes, when I started probably back in 2010, 2011 with our academy, it was tough because you'd have guys and gals coming out every day to help with the academy from the line, and they weren't practicing what we had just talked about. And it was a good way for me to go, okay, when we talk about culture and how we're finding out we may need to change things here for the future, and we need to, it was an easy example. Not always the best example, but it was an example for me to point out to the new kids, hey, this is what we should be doing now. Made it a culture. It's a good thing to teach from start to end. Absolutely. So I wanted to kind of, I, I made an, an outline of essentially what I taught these kids, and I wanted to kind of just go over it. And, and with the intention of wherever you may be, you know, you could take notes of this. And if you need it, by the way, let me know. I will email it to you. I will give you everything I have so you can kind of make this your own and bring it and, to your own rookies and they can implement implement that as well. And so, for full disclosure, I still use Jim's presentation that he gave me years ago that we started with. Now, I've modified it, obviously, over the years since studies have come out. But I still use his original presentation just modified, and that's for our new people. I, I know why you're using it. And, and in particular, I, it's probably because of one slide. Am I right? I always make sure I hit the one slide of Jim in the shower. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, there's a picture of me. I'm, you, just, you see my top half. And I have hair uh, on my head as well as everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a good it's idea a great, to put, a, it, put in the slides. And, and, and uh, time, people are speechless. But, you know, we, we laugh at it, but that's the relatability of it. And <coughs> that we ask from the new people, if they see people are doing this, and not even just in Toledo, but when I explain, Jim's from Dayton, you know, he's a city of ours to the south, um, and it's buying across the state, I try to tell them, hey, it's not just us, and it's not just me talking. There's a big part of the country, the state and the nation, that are practicing what we're preaching. And it's a good segue. It's a funny yeah, Well, that's what I, I try to use it as a segue slide. Because uh, what it is, is I'll throw that slide up there. There's me in the shower. Um, and and I'll, I'll kind of take a moment. What does that make anybody uncomfortable? And the crazy thing is when I say that, usually they're like, no, show us more. What's the next slide? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. fire, you know how firefighters are. Well, uh, I, I think the part that gets when we get to that, the part that always gets the people, the new people, especially, and you hear the chuckles is when you talk about the 2 a.m. run and you get back from the fire and you have to pee. And oh, yeah. where does everything go? Straight to your junk and everyone always is laughing. And it's like, what are we in fourth grade people? Come on. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I usually... Again, it's just it, the the what you use is still what I use basically today. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still the same kind of material. Like I've been working on this almost a stand up routine for you know more than a decade now. So like yeah, when you're talking about the hand washing part, you, you know I I you know I talk about you need to wash your hands before using a restroom. Yes, it's or still it's still the polite thing to do to wash it afterwards. But I'm asking you to do it before. You know, and with the, sh the shower thing, it's a segue to, you know, does that make you feel uncomfortable? And then I show the next slide, which is talking about a shower, like how to do it. And it's different than the shower that I hope you took this morning. It's on. I want you to start off uncomfortably cold, get all that stuff off your skin. Then you could turn up as hot as you want. doesn't matter. But get all that stuff off and close your pores. So that's that's where that whole thing goes. But anyway, I 
whatever <laughs> it was groundbreaking we just you didn't know it i've got time. i've got memes in mind you know i got stepbrother stuff and i mean all <laughs> all sorts of stuff to to for for a pretty dark topic i try to lighten it, it up as as i can but anyway so talking to rookies it's different so the first thing i do and i and i'm curious if you kind of do the same thing is try to personalize it relatable stories Yes. So I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have cancer. I'm not part of that group, at least yet. And I, I knock on wood there. Same here. So it's hard. It is hard for me to make it personal. So what I have been doing, and I do this really in all my classes because I, I love the video. It's a great video. I, I can tell you, I know it by heart, is the Boston Fire video where they have the wall and they have uh, all the family members talk and all the the co-workers yep that have lost stuff i mean it's such a powerful video and it really does bring it home again the big picture because that's what i'm shooting for is big picture what's the point of putting in your 25 or 30 years or whatever it may be so you finally are able to retire and be there for your family and that's it's usually about the time you get diagnosed but what's the point of doing all that stuff working that right. way and you don't get to enjoy your, your retirement so do you do something like that as well? We, we do. We do uh, at the beginning of the academy as part of our physical fitness, we do a what we call like a memorial run. We run from our communications building through downtown, parade them down to the monument for our fallen firefighters. And at that time, we talk a little bit about fallen firefighters and firefighters on the monument and firefighters that aren't on the monument. And that's where we start with the cancer prevention um, we had a firefighter that started everything here in Toledo for us, kind of the true eye-opener. Uh, he was a battalion chief at the time. He was diagnosed with cancer, but he had a very painful struggle before he passed away. And he truly was not on the Toledo Fire Department for very long. Um, if you look at it from the firefighters we think of, oh, they're 40 years and they're salty at this point. Uh, Pete had about 20 years on, and like I said, he had a two-year battle, and it was just painful to watch. He was like a firefighter's firefighter, a tough guy, family man, um, just a great human being, and uh, we use his image. We remind them because they all know at this point what a last alarm announcement is for us. Uh, when one of our firefighter passes away, we have the last alarm service for them at the funeral home, and we will show them and we'll talk about Pete. We actually have a, a charity here for Pete's sake. So we it, it's a big thing here in Toledo. Uh, most people have heard about it in town here and a lot of our people that come from here. That's an easy, but we try to make it relatable for them. I, I, I love that you're doing that. That is it's great. And it's, and it's beyond a Boston Fire video, what, what I end up doing, uh, and it's it's along kind of the same lines, is, is I throw up the stats from... Um, the IFF Memorial, and if you're not an IFF guy, that's okay too. You can you can look at the um, Emmitsburg uh, yep. fallen firefighter as well. <laughs> um, and I talk about you know the last stats we had you know last year, 250 names were put on the wall, 200, and one of them I believe were from cancer. And I was out there last year, and I had to hand a flag to one of our widows. And I've got a picture of that that some local newspaper out in Colorado Springs took. And I have that in there. And, uh, again, it's like this is one of our guys being added to the wall. This is, the again, the big picture. This is the widow that he left, unfortunately. And uh, it, it draws people in because, like, I know that slide is in there. I put that slide in there. But when I see it, it renders me speechless for a moment. Like I, I, I could be as prepared as I could for it, and it doesn't matter. It's going to stop me in my tracks. And I think oh. it, it, it causes it, it. It kind of brings people even in. So that's again, that's how I try to make it personal and and get their attention before I even start talking about the studies and stats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it, and I think it shows the recruits. Um, Pete was a good friend of mine. And just for me to get emotional still today, every time when I think about Pete, 
I think it shows them, hey, there is some true buy-in to what they're talking about for a very close reason, personal reason, because he's one of our brothers. Nice. So after I draw them in is when I kind of start talking about why are we getting diagnosed? So I hit some of the studies that are out there and um, I try not to bore them to death, but I want them to know what they're up against and I, I try to simplify it. So what I've been using is just basically the UC study, go into the absorption rate of toxins and that's a perfect segue into talking about the fast test and showing how our gear fails us. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, how our gear fails us uh, and allows all these carcinogens, chemicals to still get on our skin, and that's a lot of the ways we're obviously getting exposed. And you do, you're using we, similar stuff, right? Right. We talk a lot about the turnout gear pre that, and it's kind of like I said, we try to hit some of this throughout the academy, and at each little segment, most of the instructors will take their topic and relate it to some sort of cancer prevention thing. So it's hit pretty much throughout. It's kind of always been that way now that I look back to even my academy before the studies came out. But for us, from day one, we teach that's not a cloak of invincibility. This is not a level A hazardous material suit. Um, you still will have contact to carcinogens throughout your career until we come up with something better. Exactly. So after I kind of teach them about um, the numbers, again, the threat, and try to just paint a picture of what they're really up against, and I talk to them about that latency period, that 10, 15, 20, 25 years, that's, that's important to note as well. And that goes into, and I've already said it, you know, what's the point of doing this if you can't enjoy yourself afterwards? I then go into the prevention side of things, what we can actually do. And then I think it's dependent on when you're actually teaching this class on how much and how far in depth you actually go. Like, do you, like these kids that I just taught, they haven't, I think, put on their fire gear. They haven't done any of that stuff yet. But I've had other ones where, again, they're ready to go out on the street. So you can go, depending on where you are, where the, what stage they're in is how in depth you can go. So I, I really just kind of simplified it and I didn't go, I mean, I just went basics. Is that, would you agree with that? Yeah, and that's it. For us, we've hired a lot of big classes, and I hate to pick on Toledo. It's a great thing that we're hiring so many people. But our classes have been around 50 people, and the ones we're hiring next are going to be around 50. So it's tough to teach them, hey, I'm going to, you have to wash your gear after every single fire. And then we wash it at the end of the fire attack week after they've been in 50 fires. Because how do you wash it after every fire when we're, training on fire attack for the week so it's tough to then reel it back in for us at times and say okay so we're going to wash your gear and we're going to make sure everything's clean and i know there's a lot of studies going on still with live fire attack in the exposure to carcinogens so that's really the struggle i think for any instructor is how do we practice what we preach during fire attack yeah so you know, I, I obviously, when I go out and teach, usually I'm preaching to 25. And that's not, to me, realistic in this situation. So I I kind of broke it down into really four things. And there's obviously subplots in each of these. But the four main things that I broke it down to was reduce your exposure. Hygiene, overall health, and annual exams. So those are the four big things that I wanted that I really, really pushed hard. Now, some of those subsections, you know, when we're talking about reducing our exposure, SCBA start to finish. I preach that, preach that, preach that. And that's, I did the whole, you got to make your own choice on what you're going to do. If you're going to wear that pack the whole time or not, you know, same thing with wearing all your PPE. Talked about these, that's a good spot for diesel exhaust and also transporting your PPE. As far as hygiene, I touched on, and I and I know you you probably have talked about this. I, I I'm positive the, the dirty gear, the badge of honor stuff. Right. Washing. I mean, how? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, you kind of already hit it. Like you're not able to even clean gear after every fire in school, but you still have to relay that message about how important it is. 
Right. The decon after a fire, we talk about gross decon on the fire scene. We have the pails that are on all our engine companies for the gross decon of personnel. We talk a lot about how to get off the products um, before you get back on the engine. Um, that's one of our slides I, I always throw in there is the gross decon at this point um, after the fire because everyone thinks, well, I'm just going to go back and wash my stuff. Well, that's a cultural thing. We used to just throw it on the rig. Now we do a gross decon before we put it in the rig. And we used to throw it in the cab. Now we tell them if it's grossly deconned or gross, grossly contaminated after a fire attack, it goes in the back of the apparatus in the, the actual uh, compartments, not in the cab with the uh, firefighters. So that slide is an addition that I put in there. Uh, we're trying, we're trying to do what most people are doing with a semi-clean cab or a clean cab concept. We're trying to roll into that here slowly but surely. Are you, are you guys using wet wipes on the scene? We have wet wipes on the apparatus. Yep, that's for the personal. We also have an attachment that goes on one of the outlets with the garden hose. We have the bucket with the scrub brush. So things can get grossly deconned. Um, and then we try to, you know, preach soap and water for the hands, neck face area so we can get that done if it's not the wipes you can use the hose <laughs> is what is that movie uh uh the lotion you know the lotion use the hose um are you talking put the lotions on yes for the lambs signs of the lambs <laughs> yes you, just, uh, you made me you made me go there when you said uh, that how right. you said it oh well all right yeah (laughs) well all right and look at you pop culture you're gonna do great at the 25 random ones later on you like that all right yeah yeah so um you know this that hygiene part you can also talk about again showering washing your gear and i'm talking about all your gear your you know your boots your helmet don't be neglectful on those washing your uniforms not bringing that stuff home and again, that's where that's a perfect spot for you to wash your hands. Talk about that. Yes. Uh, it, when we talk about personal hygiene, the showering, uh, that becomes an issue too for us at times uh, during the academy, obviously with 50 people. Uh, how do you get 50 people under four shower heads? And that's always an interesting thing. So we preach a lot exactly what you're saying. Shower, you can shower. Have an individual stalls. There's four individual stalls, yes. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a. Sometimes it's a challenge with a. It's big, the same. It's the same here. Like it is. Like you might as well be in jail taking a shower. You might as well. And now we have four individual shower stalls, um, where we're at. Where we just moved our academy to a, a community college to Owens Community College. So that's where our academy is at this point. And like I said, the resources there I think will help. Uh, especially with the cultural aspect, keeping things on campus, um, they'll see that we, we practice what we preach. Nice. Now, the, the next section I had uh, was the overall health, nutrition and exercise. Now, this is something that, I mean, I took from you, if you remember. Yeah. You know, talking about nutrition, you know, the foods high in fiber, the antioxidants. That was, that's a slide that I borrowed slash stole from you. And they, you know what? It's uh, that came from years ago. We hired a nutrition uh, nutritionist that came around. She was working on her master's or a PhD, and she used Toledo Fires her project, which I thought was funny. But uh, yeah, she taught us a lot. But I took a lot from that. The antioxidants, um, the natural cancer fighters that we know are out there. Um, I think anything you can do is a step in the right direction. Um, Staying healthy, guys, we're the worst as guys um, about going to the doctor. We just don't have annual checkups. Unless you choose to schedule them, you don't really that's, have an annual checkup. Matt, that, that's next, Matt. Don't go there yet. Uh, I don't want to. All right, all right. I'll wait till next one. <laughs> so, but <laughs> about that overall health, not only nutrition, like you said, the exercise, but a big part of it. And there's, we're learning more and more about the sleep, the lack of sleep, how important it is to get our sleep. I know even myself, I'm like, you know, I told my wife just the other day, like, I really, 
really need to make it a point to not schedule anything my first day off. And I just have to assume, because usually it is this way, I'm going to get my butt kicked and I need to recover. Yeah, and like I said, I think we're just on the tip of the iceberg at that one. I know sleep studies have been out there for a long time, but I don't know that anybody correlated the two, the cancer study and the sleep study and even cardiac. We always forget about cardiac in there. We still know that's a huge killer of firefighters is the cardiac. And we know sleep is one of the worst things you can do for your heart. Not getting sleep, that is, is one of the worst things you can do for us. So we have quite a few risk factors built into this career. Absolutely. So now the next part is what you want to talk about anyway, that those <laughs> annual exams. Yes. Annual exams. We're the, like I said, guys are the worst at going to the doctor. We always are. I'll be fine. And I'm not going to, why would I go to the doctor if I feel fine? Well, we know, and you preach as well as I, that early, Catching things early is, is key to surviving. We know cancer is there. Catching it early and getting it treated early and taken care of early, we know that's a huge step in all of this. I mean, I can't preach that one enough to our new people. If, if you're a career firefighter in the U.S. and definitely in Canada, you're going to have the ability to go get a free annual medical exam and free skin exam every year. And if you also have a pretty progressive department and they're doing their own exams, like, you know, if you're doing their exam in January, you used to schedule your exam in June. You know, like you said, early detection is absolute key. And you really, really, really have to hit that home and just say, you guys need to accept this from right now, from here on out, that you have to keep up on these appointments. And, you, you know, going on and saying, if you catch your cancer early, you may just have surgery. The longer you wait, now you're doing chemo. Now you're doing radiation. Now you're not even, you know, you may not be able to go back to work. If it gets a little worse, you, you know, you may be fighting for your life. Early detection, absolute paramount. So I really, really, really made that a point. Same here, because it's even tougher, and I say guys, it's even tougher to get people when they're young, which is what most of our recruits are when they come on. Um, they're below the age of 35, and it's tough. They're healthy. They're feeling like when they're in their 20s, you're in the prime of your life, essentially. And it's tough to tell them you're taking on a huge career. Um, you're taking on new risks, and you need to start thinking about going to the doctor annually. And that's tough to get buy-in. Um, but that is something we hit on as well very hard here. Nice. Another thing I advised these guys to do was to, I, I asked them to download Enforce, the Exposure Form app. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that yet or not, Matt, but it's uh, Dr. Lori Moore. She yep. talks about that on one of my episodes back in the archives. But I, I just explained to him how important it is to keep track of all the different exposures. Yes. Now, and, we've been, like I said, we've been doing exposure tracking here for decades on the Toledo Fire Department. And obviously, we just recently added them to our infer uh, report. I'm aware of the app, but we have added them into our infor, infors, that'd be F I R. Uh, we added them to that. So when the officer is filling out their report, the exposure is already put in there for each individual. Perfect. And I, and I think we're doing that with our, and furs as well with the eye yeah. with the in furs, we just switched to ESO. So that's all part of that. So that's something yeah. you can do as well. But, um, I really just stressed how it's important to, to you know, not always rely on the city, but to keep your own stuff and write in detail what you did. Um, I, I don't know how things are in Toledo as far as the cancer presumptive and if the city's fighting you on everybody or not, but, um, you know, our city hasn't been the most supportive. No, so, and we, we've had those cases. And I think we're Jim, we've talked about that across the state. I think it's the state is saying yes. And then the cities are fighting is kind of how that's going. Everybody's case, each individual city is fighting against it. And, I think with the, 
and I'm not going to sell a product, but with the infer and how we do it, we can then generate a report uh, with all the runs, the exposure types, the distance, uh, everything. We can we can generate a report for all our people that have been diagnosed with cancer from that, and it's a fairly detailed report. It's several pages. I'd, I'd love to show you what we do on that. Nice, we, nice. We, person that's in charge of actually well, doing and, it and it's us. and it's good to have that ammunition if it needed hopefully, hopefully you don't need it but i mean I, I and i don't know even when i go in these classes i honestly matt i don't know if i'm going in there as jim bernica day and fire department uh jim bernica day and firefighters are 136 or just jim bernica but i think it's important for them to know the significance of these exposure forms because we don't always have the support Oh yeah, and that's and like I don't want to I don't want to dog I don't want to dog the city. I'm not trying to do that, but it's you know I want to I I feel obligated to take care of my guys and gals that are starting and give them this information. Our yeah, and like I said, our city's been very supportive of all our efforts. I mean, they have not denied us any kind of funding for anything we want to do as far as prevention goes. Um, Like I said, we we have not received any pushback. It's more of the obligation of the cities, and that's we just know how that goes. It's it's I don't even think an Ohio thing. I think it's probably across the country. I agree, I agree. the The last thing I do, and I, and I just started to do this. Um, the last this is two years now. I've done this again. I don't have a personal cancer story. I don't want to have a personal cancer story, but uh, I think it's important to bring somebody in that does. So. The last two years, I've been able to bring in members, current and retired, just a, a couple of them, to share their stories and make it personal and just talk about everything they've had to deal with. Uh, is that something that you've done in the past at all? We have in the past. We don't always. And like I, we do a family day, like I talked about before. We do a family day at the end before they hit the line. Sometimes during that, we'll talk about, we'll have different counselors come in and talk to the whole family about different things. Um, usually, I stay very specific to Pete as far as our department, since it's very, very regional for us. I've got, I've got a picture of, and there's a picture, just a five of us at a fire. And, you know, I'm one in there. And then there's, you know, two of the other people in that picture is who I brought in. And they, you know, one had breast cancer, one had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma type B, and you know, they just they they talk about the treatments, and they talk about um, just the fight they had with that, and um, it's kind of scary. And it if is. you're if you're a kid and you're sitting back there, I mean, the, the hope is that you're thinking in your head like, I don't want to deal with that shit. <laughs> well, and, and no it, is, it used to be, it, we used to always have the burned firefighter come in, somebody that was burned and talk about burns. And I, I know that unexplained catastrophic event is still there killing firefighters, but it's teaching them, you know what the reality of this career is? It's not necessarily the burn that's going to get you, it's cancer. So you're exactly right, relating it to your specific department with that story it's it's the treatments are the thing we have to talk about now and not the disfiguring burns not that those are ever going to go away but we it's more prevalent with cancer we just know you said the statistics are there absolutely you know and and i think you know our the academies are, are doing a much better job in general regarding this cancer stuff regarding the cardiac stuff and also the behavioral health stuff as well so, you know, I, I absolutely believe that these kids, when they hit the streets, are much better off than when you and I did. Oh, yeah. It's all part of how do you accept a risk or a profession like firefighting till you know all the risks that are associated with it? You can't truly accept it till you understand what's involved. And that's I try to really hit that home to them. I'm not saying. Don't be a firefighter. It's been a great career. It's all I ever wanted to do, and I love it. And I make sure they know that. But they just have to understand that the risks are there, but there are things you can do to help yourself. Nice. So is there anything that uh, 
I forgot to talk about anything I'm missing. Um, anything else that, that you think is important to share along this topic? Ooh, um, you hit the presentation. And like I said, I hit a lot on the, the actual family portion of that. When you talked about uniforms and not taking it home, uh, we talk about gear a lot during our presentations for departments that send people out or you have volunteers um, separating that gear from your vehicle uh, fairly quickly. Um, if you carry the vehicle or the uh, gear in your vehicle, your turnout gear inside of it, would you actually put your kid in a fire? If you wouldn't do that, why would you carry your turnout, your dirty turnout gear right behind them? I hit a lot on that because I know we talk about the badge of courage of having the dirty gear. Well, some of these guys and gals in the early part of the academy, you know, they'll take their stuff. Ooh, look how smoky my gear is and everything. We just want to let them know it's not the best thing you want to do for your wife and kids or husband, exposing them to all that risk. You are taking this on knowingly. They're unknowing just recipients of what you're bringing home to them. So we hit pretty hard. I hit pretty hard on that. A lot of the prevention, just helping the families. Uh, what do you do with the gear? Put it in the shed. Put it outside in the garage. Don't bring dirty gear into the house. Um, I know for us, we have to do a, a lot of relieving, filling mm-hmm. it at other stations. Do you guys do that a lot, Jim? Like when your station's no. overstaffed and another station. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. Yeah, we fill in everywhere. We call it, yeah, we call yeah. it, de- you're detailed out. Detailed. We call it relieving detailed. And then the volunteer side of that spectrum is they may not have a choice. They may have to take the gear home because you're going to go to the station every single time. Not everyone. Um, some of them take it home. So like I said, we talk a lot about separating them, their families from the dirty turnout gear. I did. You know what? I, I forgot to mention that. There's another, you know, I play two videos right now. Um, one is that Boston video. I forgot about the, the second video. And I think it's important to note too, because it does such a great job of illustrating how we take this stuff from the fire and bring it back to the stations and even bring it back home sometimes. And that's that University of Miami video. Yep. Great with, uh, video. with the black light. You know, that yep. for that part, that goes into the whole decon and all that stuff. But it's four or five minute video and i mean it it does a great job of just visualizing how we bring all this stuff everywhere and anywhere so um that's another thing i would suggest you add to this class and and speaking of that i'll just kind of sum this up with that if you're not teaching this to the kids you know why aren't you why wouldn't you we know all this information now it's our obligation it's our responsibility to pass this on to them and make sure that they have a fighting chance to get out of this career and enjoy the retirement and be healthy. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to take a whole lot of time. We're talking an hour, hour and a half, and you can hit up a lot, a lot of this stuff and they'll be better prepared and have a, hopefully just again, a better, better career in life afterwards. You agree? 100% agree. Like I said, I know this came out of a, a meeting that we were, you and I were both part of. And like I said, I had no idea that my department would buy into this uh, like they did. But I came back and just gave a presentation. I remember the meeting. It was you and myself and Tom Wilcox and Rick Best and the Ohio Fire Academy director at the time. And uh, Steve Westcott was there. And I remember that we all said, we will take this back and we will not have a class go on where we don't talk about this. And I never have since that day. I have always included cancer prevention in there, be it through the Courage to be Safe program. I know it hits on it a little during that. Um, but we always go beyond that with a, with a, with a more in-depth lecture in prevention and education. So, again, if, if you guys want this outline that I kind of just made up to um, – you know, go over this this podcast with Matt. Just let me know. Uh, I think my contact's just on the 25live.com. Um, hit me up there. I'll be happy to send it to you. But with that, if you don't have anything else to add about training the kids, don't. Uh, you don't? Okay, then we'll go into the Rain Up 25 questions in which <laughs> I can kind of bust your chops on some things maybe. I was going to say, I'm, I'm nervous now. Go ahead. Don't be nervous. I'll be gentle. Um, pick a number, one through twenty-five. 
Number five. What's your favorite quote? Ooh, what is my favorite quote? Wow. Uh, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Yep. Very good. Yep. I thought you were going to talk about the lotion again or something. <laughs> no. We're All done right. with lotion. We're that's, done with that's, lotion. That's the second favorite one. <laughs> All right. Another number. Number six. How do you manage stress? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, a lot of my managing stress is when I go for a run. Uh, I've always been a runner. Um, I don't wear headphones when I run, and everyone thinks I'm crazy. I like to just go through everything, and I just get it out while I'm out there on the street or on the treadmill. Um, try to kill two birds with one stone. I think you're missing a good opportunity to listen to quality podcasts like the 25 Live. <laughs> yes, that too. Don't forget to rate us. <laughs> Write a review. Five stars. <laughs> All right, let's try maybe one more. Let's okay, how about, how about number, well, I did five, six. How about seven? Okay, I, I think this is a good one. What is something popular now that everyone will look back at in five years and say, that's stupid or embarrassing? Don't, don't uh, say coronavirus. I was gonna. You just took it. I spend so much time on the coronavirus right now. Uh, something popular now that people will look back and say that is ridiculous. Uh, oh boy, skinny jeans. Skinny jeans. Sorry, young people. I know. Yeah. We, had, we had tight roll when I was in high school back in the eighties and nineties. Peg, pegging jeans. But skinny jeans, I don't know, man. I look back at the tight roll and I laugh at that in pictures of high school. Now I'm like, oh boy, skinny jeans. Yep, they're going to look back and laugh at those someday. I pegged my pants too. I know. It, so we, we were, well, thing. yeah, we were in those 1600 days of still in the yeah, same period. Yeah, 80s That was a thing in their late 80s, early 90s. I don't know why. I just laugh. All right, I'm having fun. Let's do one more. One more. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about how about number twenty three? Okay. I don't think this will trip you up. Chicago or New York pizza? Oh, that's an easy one for me. Chicago. I'm a I'm a huge deep dish fan. I know everyone likes that thin crust, but I'm. I, I run so I can eat. So, Chicago. Do you have to go to Chicago to get that type of pizza? Is there some place nearby in which you can? You know, you can. We have a great uh, Chicago-style pizza place here in town. But there's nothing like going to Chicago and sitting in uh, the original Uno or Giordano's or you pick it. They're just great places to go hang out. So you got to You know, the thing about that type of pizza is just the experience because you're going to go to that restaurant and you're going to order and you're going to wait 45 minutes before it shows up even. So oh, it's, yeah. it's more, I mean, you know, again, it's more of experience. It's, uh, it's more laid back. It's, you know, you, you got to set that, that time aside. It is. And, it, and like I said, <laughs> nothing better than a piece of deep dish. You got to treat yourself every once in a while. <laughs> it's true it is alright well thanks again for spending some time with uh, myself and my lovely listeners um, I appreciate kind of your feedback when I thought about you know doing this I was like man this is a good topic and uh, a few other people came into mind and they were busy so I thought oh no <laughs> no not really you were my first choice because again you've been doing this for so long Opposite side of the state, different corner, but um, no, I, I just thought it'd be it'd be great to have your input and, and share that, and and I'm really hopeful that well, you're know, being, some, some you're people being too kind. Well, I'm full of shit, but anyway, 
Jim has always been a resource of mine since I met him. And this goes to everybody out there. Whenever I have a question, whenever I need a phone a friend on anything to do with cancer, cancer prevention, any of anything, Jim has always been my go-to. He is the reason I got involved in everything I do with firefighter cancer prevention because of Jim. And that's the truth. He knows it. He just won't say it. No, no. And I'm glad we're not uh, doing the video part because you catch me blushing right now. <laughs> it's the truth. He, no, whatever. He's a true asset in our battle against firefighter cancer. So whatever. he's we're, always been my phone a friend on that one. Whatever. We're team Ohio. Come on. Yeah, God, has it been? Have we? I've, we've probably known each other. If it was 2010, I knew you before then. It's over a decade now. So. Yeah, we're both old, man. That's the reality. It's the truth. <laughs> All right. We'll All get right. back to it. I don't know if you had a chance to walk your dog yet. Have you? Uh, no, I'm going to go running. You're going to go running? Like, she has like eight inch legs. She can't keep up with me. There's that. <laughs> All <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> Matt, thanks for your time. I'm sure I'll no. talk to you soon enough. All right. Uh, I'll check you guys out next week. Uh, take care until then. All right. Well, that concludes it for episode 28 of the 25 Live. Thanks again to my old pal, Matt Brixey. It's a pleasure having him on here. Yeah, he's always been a great friend of me and a great asset. He talked about calling me all the time. Believe me, I call him too. He's an awesome friend and a wealth of knowledge, not not just in cancer, but a lot of other stuff too. So thanks again for making the time for us, Matt. For all my faithful listeners, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you again next week. Take care until then. Uh-huh.